No, I was looking for Kurt and Chelsea this morning, but I see they're not here because I wanted to congratulate Kurt on that honey. How many had some of that honey? Isn't that fantastic, honey? So this morning when I woke, uh, Pat made some scones, and she had um, she had the scones, and nothing better than scones on Sunday morning. And so she had this nice little bowl of honey for me. It was actually too much for one, you know, but I, that's okay. <laughs> so I said, um, I noticed that she didn't have honey. She had raspberry jam. I said, why don't you have honey? Oh, I find it kind of sweet, she said. I don't like anything too sweet, which leaves more for me. But I said, um, I said, well, I'm sweet and you like me. <laughs> So, never had a loss for a word. She said, you're not as sweet as you think you are. <laughs> not as sweet as you think you are. <laughs> oh. So, there we have it. Justin is leaving this week, right? You're going back out to Western Canada. Back to work. And Lindsay's going to stay. Is this your, right today is the anniversary? Okay. Okay, 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 but we've got to do it now while you're here, right? Obviously, <laughs> obviously. Well, uh, you know, we came, we came very close to moving to Edmonton, Alberta, many, many years ago, when Pat's parents moved there. But the call of St. Joseph Island was too strong. So in any event, um, so what, what grades are you teaching? High school, 12. 9 to 12. Yeah. And subjects? Oh, good. A little bit of everything. <laughs> you do enough phys ed to stay in shape? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. You enjoying it? Yeah. Both enjoying it. Lindsay? Yeah. Do you have a nice circle of friends? We do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now that we've moved out to the small community, it's being spruced Right. Um, nice, really small town. We get to know everyone. Sure. They're very helpful. And mm-hmm. Right. So, is there is there a thing uh, like every day at a certain time? Do you feel this call towards Saint of Island in this area, or no? Not so much. I mean, well, it's really great, and uh, we we look forward to seeing you folks whenever you're able to come home. Of course, and we think about you often. Granny Horner used to have this practice where she would say to Pat, uh, whenever we would perhaps in the old days we moved a few times early on. We used to move a few times, not lately, but. And so she wanted to come whenever we would move from one place to another. Like, for example, Malabar Drive to Terrence Avenue. So she wanted to come because she wanted to see, let's face it, she wanted to see where Pat was. And then she would say when she left, okay, now I know, I can picture you in my mind, where you are and what you're doing at certain times of the day. So we like to know a little bit about what's happening so that we can picture you. And so we desire the blessing of the Lord to be, of course, continue to be upon you and your family. And all of you, young, uh, young, by my standards, young married couples with your young families. So beautiful, beautiful to see them. We ask for the, for the blessing of the Lord to be on you and with you. Can I ask you a question, everybody, a question this morning? Do you have the seal on you? 
Do you have the seal on you? Are you been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? Being sealed, having the seal of the Holy Spirit of promise is not something that happens without our knowing it. Now there may be a process by which we come through which we come to a realization and awareness that may be a process of that revelation of it. With some it's instantaneous in a moment, with other it's a little bit of a process, but it's it's not something that happens without our knowing it. We absolutely need it. We so need the seal of the Holy Spirit. I want to read uh, with you this morning Ephesians chapter 1. Just I, I'd just like to read a few verses of Scripture. We Sometimes we, we talk about things and we have themes, but I think there's nothing that replaces just simply reading the Scriptures and enlarging and not, not adding to it, of course, but uh, opening it up, having it opened up. And we can't do that by ourselves. We can't do that by ourselves. Could I ask you, um, I'm thinking, I have a lot of different thoughts that are kind of competing for preeminence, but one of them is, at uh, this stage of our lives, we have had a certain, we've gained a certain amount of experience in certain things, obviously. One of the things that we're so concerned about, based on the experience, is uh, marriage. Marriage and especially young couples were starting out in their marriage and uh, children, bringing children into the world. And the, um, the health of the marriage and what is required for that marriage to be strong and enduring and a great blessing not only to the family but a blessing to the world. I, uh, I've never met your, your dad but I saw a picture, a few pictures, since you've been home, uh, on the tractor, right? And the little one's on the tractor with your dad. And what really got my attention was, uh, and I think everyone responded to this, was the look on your father's face. And the, the, the smile, the, I mean, I don't know him, but I could see, and I, I mean, everybody who looked at the pictures could see the look on his face that he was... It was, uh, he was in, well, you, you, I mean, I'm telling you anything you don't know, but he was enjoying you and your children, family. He was enjoying his family, right? Extension of his family. And uh, there's a celebration. There's a celebration. And as wonderful and beautiful as that is, and as lovely as that is, and obviously for your dad, he doesn't get to do that every day, so... When he gets to do that and have that privilege, obviously it means so much more to him. And it's reflected in his face. You see it. And so uh, I like the old tractor too. I like the old John Deere, right? The old tractor. As beautiful and wonderful as that is, and that's the way God has ordained it and intends it to be. But oftentimes and sometimes tragically, when marriages encounter turbulence and suffer because of the turbulence and end up in dissolution and separation, then as joyful as the countenance is in that situation, how sad the countenance becomes on the other side of the issue. And when love turns to the opposite, I won't even name it, but when love turns to the opposite, oh, it's a horrible thing. And why does that happen? And it's happening increasingly. 
and with some of us it's happened very close to us. And the reason it happens is because, there are many reasons, but the one singular reason why it happens is because of the absence of the seal. The absence of the seal. Because you see, apart from the seal of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit, we can't think right. We don't process things as as they ought to be processed. We, we tend to live in a carnal, natural lifestyle. But we're not designed to live that way, and we really can't live that way. We don't have the resources to make our decisions wisely, and we end up usually making all the wrong decisions because we're doing it from a natural standpoint without the assistance and help that we need. We, we need to be helped. And the seal, the Holy Spirit basically seals us. And he comes alongside and he leads us and guides us in the way that we ought to go. And we are assisted in all the decisions of our life. And in terms of friends, who will our friends be? What circle of friends will we have? What kind of hobbies will we have? How will we, how, just everything, all the decisions. You see, the, there's so much now in terms of marriage counseling and all this, which in my view, misses, misses a critical point. And a lot of it is an effort to kind of rehabilitate something from a natural standpoint, whereas the real key to success is to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. Because all those things that a good marriage counselor would point out as, and recommend, that wisely recommend, and some of them are excellent things, but they come as the Holy Spirit reveals them to the person who's sealed of the Holy Spirit because they've come to a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way to the Father. And the Holy Spirit teaches. And so then the person's mind becomes open to the truth and right things as opposed to, and is able to identify misleading avenues. So we pray for each other, we pray for one another, and especially for the younger couples with their young families and new families, bringing these children into the world who are so beautiful and wonderful. And we pray for continued success. But I want to say we need the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, let me read a few verses with you this morning. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, special messenger of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus. You know, there's something about being faithful. Faithfulness is to be admired. Uh, while you were singing, I noticed a large thousand-footer come up the river. Name was Masabi Minor. And I first saw it, and it's moving and crawling along so slowly. Oh, it's going so slowly. And if I were to look at my app on my phone, it would probably say something like Duluth, Minnesota, or someplace like that that is going. And I'm thinking, that'll never get to Duluth, Minnesota. But sure enough, in about a couple of days, it'll be there. How does that happen? It happens because there is a relentless forward motion 24-7 faithful, faithfully dedicated to the purpose and to the goal. 
And so he's called as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ by the will of God, faithful in Christ Jesus. He said, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of God, the peace of Christ Jesus. It passes, surpasses understanding and comprehension. It's a tranquility of soul that it bestows. And in that peaceful place, it's not a chaotic, hectic place. It's not a place of turbulence and anxiety. But it's a peace that is given. All these things are given to us. We don't earn them. We don't manufacture them. But they are given. Blessing, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ, according as He chose us. Now let me just read this a little bit incorrectly for a moment. Let me read it this way. Because He will discuss predestination. I'm not going to get bogged down in something really heavy that, that's too big for us to carry. But he discusses predestination a lot, the Apostle Paul does, in various of his writings. And the idea of election, and how do we understand these things, and how do we comprehend these things? I suggest to you they're not as complicated as sometimes we make them out to be. There must be a simplicity in the truth. The truth is always simple, but it's always profound. At the same time as, as, as it is profound, it is simple. If it was all, all profoundness and not, and, and not simplicity, we would be incapable of understanding it. But it is made so clear that a wayfaring man, though a fool, would not err therein. So he says, according as he chose us before the foundation of the world. No, it doesn't say that. It says, according as He chose us in Him, in Him, in Christ Jesus, before the foundation of the world. Predestination, election. The concept is that we are predestined and we are elected in Christ Jesus. Now, some choose to believe that this is individual. It's all individuals are predestined. Individuals are elected. And some are elected and some are not. And this is all determined in the foreknowledge of God according to His own will before the foundation of the world. Others understanding, looking at the same passage of Scripture, say the idea of predestination and the idea of election is biblical, absolutely biblical, and fundamentally sound before the foundation of the world. But the idea of predestination and election is that we are predestined in Him and elected in Him. In Him. But all are invited to come in Him. In Him. And so many are called and few are chosen in that sense that many are called and invited but few actually enter in in Him. And he said, according, again I'll read it, according as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Listen to this. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Isn't that wonderful words? We should be holy. And without how how do we, how can we be holy? It's the seal. It's the seal. I know that every human being has certain propensities or weaknesses. Some have referred to these as besetting sins or certain kinds of areas of transgression and instability 
and departure that are unique to the individual. Probably sometimes it has something to do with the heritage and the way they're raised and trained and so on. And so some have a view that we have to be guarded and watched over by each other. We have to be guarded and watched over. Everybody has to have somebody to watch over you. This idea of shepherding, a number of years ago, brought this out that everybody has to be shepherded and guarded and watched over like that, you see. Because if you're not not watched over, and it's a little bit like the idea when you go swimming. Everybody has a buddy system when you go swimming, you know. This was the, this was the idea. Well, again, there's some truth in that, but let me say that if we try to use natural means or carnal means and measures to prevent us or to keep us from sinning or transgressing, then that is doomed, that is unlikely to succeed. On the contrary, on the other hand, the provision that has been made is the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the sealing he seals us. And then we are guided and guarded and kept and persuaded and marshaled, if you like, from within, as opposed to being overruled or overseen from without. Um, you know, when you're raising your children, there's times when you have to... And, and, you know, we're not saying that there's no place for guardianship in this world, because there is. But the ultimate is to be brought to the place of a personal knowledge of the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming a child of God through him, and receiving the sealing of the Holy Spirit, being sealed or stamped with the Holy Spirit of promise. And when that happens, then we enter into a communion and fellowship with God the Holy Spirit, And he teaches and instructs and keeps us from within. And you can be trusted wherever you go because wherever you go, he goes there with you. He's with you when you're asleep. He's with you when you're awake. And young men can travel all over the world and be in company of all kinds and be completely trusted and trustworthy. Not because they're being ruled over by some buddy system, but because they have indwelling within them the sealing of the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings the relationship and the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ to the believer. This is the answer. This is absolutely the answer. This is it. Why would we recommend anything else other than this when this is so awesomely powerful? Well, let me go back. I read verse 4. Did I read verse (laughs) 5? having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. This is what God the Father has done. He has predestined us to the adoption of children through or by, by means of, through the atoning work of Christ Jesus to himself, to the Father, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace in which he has made us accepted in the one having been loved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he caused to abound toward us in all wisdom and understanding. Now I just want to have to comment on something here. I'm reading from the New King James Bible this morning. 
I was always given to understand that if you're writing for public consumption, you should write at about a grade six level. In other words, you know, these simple, short little sentences. And this is all, <laughs> this is all one grand, large sentence. <laughs> this is all, there's semicolons and there's commas, but very few periods in this whole chapter, this whole section, which I find fascinating. I just throw that in free. I just throw that in. <laughs> it says, having made known to us the mystery of his will. This is the mystery is something in scripture. All a mystery is always, it's not an, an enigma. A mystery is that which is hidden until it is revealed. But it is intended to be revealed. But you see, it's hidden because it can only be understood as it is revealed by the Holy Spirit. A mystery. So the apostle would say, behold, I declare unto you a mystery. He's talking about that which has, been always, has always been true, but the human mind has not been able to, to understand it and to receive it because it needs to be revealed to the spirit first before the mind, the intellect, is furnished with the understanding. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. This is why the sealing is done to the spirit. You see, it's a spirit work. It's wonderful. It says, in whom we, uh, we have been chosen to an inheritance, being predestined or predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. For us to be to the praise of his glory who previously had trusted in Christ. And here we come to verse 13. I'll spend a little time with you here. In whom also you, in whom, this is in Christ, in whom also you, hearing the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also believing, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's actually talking about when they came and brought the gospel message and how that those uh, believers in Ephesus, they, they believed the message of Christ Jesus. And after they had believed it, and what does it mean to believe it? This is where it's so simple. And yet, I honestly think when I'm talking about this importance of being sealed and, and that we know when we're sealed, it's the witness of the Spirit that we have been sealed. You say, well, the sealing, does that mean that's the end of the journey? No, it doesn't mean that's the end of the journey. It's the beginning. But some would say, honestly, I don't know that I've ever received that. I'm not conscious of having been sealed. I consider myself to be a Christian, but you're telling me that it, you're saying that to be a believer you, it means to be sealed. And you're saying that if you are, and as you are, you will know it. And I don't know it. And that leaves me in a, I don't know what to think about where I'm at. And you're tempting me to throw away my confidence. The scripture says don't to throw, not to throw away our confidence. Well, you don't throw away a confidence that is well-founded. But we have to be certain that our confidence is well-founded, scripturally well-founded. Let's not be confident in something in which there is no basis for confidence. What the apostle is saying, he said, in whom also you, hearing the word of truth or hearing the gospel, okay, you heard the gospel, it says the gospel of our salvation. It's all about Jesus Christ, who he is. He came into the world. Why did he come into the world? What kind of a life did he live? 
What works did he do? What message did he deliver? Then what did he do to secure our salvation? He went to the cross. And he died for us. And he rose again for us. And he ascended to be with the Father and is our great high priest now at the, pre- at the right hand of the Father. So he says, And hearing the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom, in Christ Jesus, you believed. And this believing is a lot more than just some intellectual kind of, well, I think that's right. It's the believing is an absolute presentation of ourselves, of ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ as he is our Savior and he is our Lord. It is the giving up of ourselves to him. It is the relinquishing of our own way and our own will to him. That's what it is. I'll not be ashamed of you, Lord. You will be first in everything that I do, say, and think. You will be number one. As soon as I discover that your will, your will for my life, I will obey it and walk in the light of it. This is to believe. I think sometimes we don't fully persuade people as we present the gospel of what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to take yourself out of your own keeping and it is entrust yourself entirely into His keeping. Now, when that is done, once that is done, then the sealing comes. And we don't seal ourselves, but we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So again, in whom also you, hearing the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also believing, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The sealing, S-E-A-L, seal, is an old concept in that day when if you owned something, you would mark it with your seal. And you mark that which you own with your seal, then it was identified as yours. And you could pick it out if they were all out there, an assortment. You'd say, well, this is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine. Why? How do you know it? Because it has my seal on it. In the same way, you see, God in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, knows those who are his, those who have his seal on them. This is a fairly substantial adjustable wrench. Someone, this, this arrived here many years ago. I didn't buy it. Someone did. Now, who owns this wrench? I don't own it. Actually, it's owned by a place. It's owned by a location. And how do you know that? Because it's been sealed. And someone, when they presented it here, they stamped it. It's stamped. And it says Kiwaden right here on the side. It says the same on the other side. Kiwaden. Not only does it say Kiwaden on it, but up here it says boiler room. It's sealed. It has the stamp of ownership on it. And it doesn't belong to me. I use it. But it doesn't belong to me. It belongs right up there. That's where it belongs. I'll just leave this here. The kids will have fun with this after. (laughs) Now in verse 14, uh, the apostle continues and he says, who is the the seal 
who is the earnest of our inheritance. An earnest is a foretaste, it is a pledge. An earnest is a down payment. And we often think, think in terms of down payments as being something, well, that just reduces the ultimate bill or the amount or the ultimate payment that I'll make. It's just been reduced by the down payment. But the down payment is not that. It's not just that. The down payment is a pledge. It confirms the transaction and says that the balance will be paid also. If you don't intend on paying the balance, don't pay the down payment. But if you pay the down payment, you pledge yourself to the balance. And this sealing of the Holy Spirit is the earnest or the foretaste or the pledge or the first fruits is what the Apostle is saying. And it is the guarantee and it is God's pledge that the rest of our salvation, the fullness of our salvation, will also be coming to us. Oh, the ceiling. I need, I need to return just to the thought of marriage for a moment because it's so heavy on me. And how important this sealing of the Holy Spirit is. There's so much religion. Really, there's so much religion. There's so many thoughts. There's so many sermons. So many teachings. So many different views of theology. On and on. Endlessly it goes. Well, but this is fundamental. This is fundamental. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Take ourselves out of our own keeping and trust ourselves entirely into His keeping. And the Holy Spirit seals us and witnesses with us that we are a child of God. It's the witness of the Spirit that John Wesley so famously taught on. And this is a pledge by God the Father that we are His own, that we belong to Him. We are sealed and His ownership is on us. And also it says to us that the balance, the fullness of our salvation also will, in the fullness of time, will be bestowed upon us. And it is the absence of this sealing, which is the ever-present, ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit within us to lead us and guide us in the way that we should go and the kinds of decisions that we ought to make that is the real reason why so many marriages fail. I wondered if anybody would be interested in feeding your children poison. If you knew that something was poisonous, if you knew something was poisonous, wouldn't you just, wouldn't you just leave no stone unturned? There's nothing could keep you from getting between that and your child. For example, United States Department of Agriculture Food and Safety and Inspection Service, you know, you can go online and you can go online and you can find all these different foods that have been subject to recall. For example, on August the 15th, it says Tyson Foods recalls Weaver brand ready-to-eat chicken to chicken patty products due to possible foreign matter contamination. What would that be? What could that Foreign matter contamination. So this has been withdrawn. On August the 9th this year, it says Taylor Farms in Illinois recalls chicken products due to possible processing defect. What could that be? And how many of these things actually get through without being caught? In pro oh my, you, you, your mind goes, 
and you wonder. But all this care is given, and it goes on and on and on and on. And all this care is given to protect the people and the public from contaminated food. E. coli, the list goes on and on. And if you knew that something was contaminated like that, you would never want your children to be consumers of that. And yet I have observed this tragic, tragic situation and circumstances wherein marriages fail and love turns to the opposite and estrangement creeps in by degree and then there is a separation and then there is subsequently a divorce and the children are the home in which the children were raised and brought into the world is fragmented and broken and then I've watched as this as this uh, animosity and acrimony is manifested sometimes over years and years. Sometimes people do this kind of thing and they do it in uh, you know, what is referred to today as a very mature way and they all get along and everything. But that doesn't happen all that often. And I find that to be more an indication of, uh, of a shallowness in the relationship, perhaps in the, from the beginning. The thing that I find so distressing and so tragic is the amount of effort that goes in to criticizing, blaming the other person after the marriage has has experienced separation. And the amount of creative energy and work and effort and expense and dollars that goes in to try to justify this and to try to basically assail and undermine the other person with whom once upon a time they stood and were joined in holy matrimony together with. And this thought came to me recently and said this, where I would say to anyone in that situation, I would say if you were to expend half, half, 50% of the energy you are now expending, If you could roll back the calendar and expend 50% of the energy you are now expending to confirm this separation, if you spent that in holding your marriage together and keeping your marriage together, you would still be married today. You would still be married today. But why? I want to come down to the why. Why is because of the absence of the seal, even in the presence of religion. People say who study religions, all kinds of different denominations. It doesn't; it's not a respecter of first. And they say, well, the, what's happening in the larger society is happening within these churches and denominational bodies, in almost as high a percentage now as is happening in the larger society. And I say, how can that be? Well, the answer is because of the absence of the seal. Verse 15, therefore I also, I'm going to come to, therefore I also, hearing of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Wonderful benediction that we'll just share and take to ourselves now. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us, the ones believing according to the working of his mighty strength, which he worked in Christ in raising him from the dead. And he seated him at his right hand in the heavenlies, far above all principality and authority and power and dominion and every name being named, not only in this world, but also in the coming age. And here we come now to a conclusion. And he has put all things under his feet, all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now there is much more that uh, is in store for the believer. We're coming to the end of this age. And there is a tremendous um, resurrection of the body that is up ahead, which is all a result and purchased by the atonement of Christ Jesus. There is um, an establishment of the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he has, all, has authority in heaven and on earth now, but the manifestation of that authority will come in the fullness of time, and his rule and reign will be mani manifested throughout the earth. And all of uh, the provisions of the cross of Christ, will, we will become, we, we will receive by experience. But now, we have been given the earnest, or the foretaste, or the pledge, or the first fruits. And that is the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Sealing, stamping. We belong to the Father. Absolutely wonderful. If anyone would say, I haven't experienced that, then I would say, because the tendency in a lot of advice would be, well, seek it, seek it, seek it, seek it. But I would say this. Seek it, yes, but understand that it is given freely by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is given to those who believe in his name, fully unrestricted, entirely believe in his name. So I would say rather than just seek, 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 I'd say examine yourself according to the scriptures. Do you really believe on him unreservedly? If you do, you will receive it. Nothing can keep you from receiving it. The only thing that's keeping you from receiving it is there is something in your life that is not surrendered to the fully, fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's something. Find out what it is. Go to the Word. Read prayerfully and carefully the Scriptures. Look at your own experience in the light of God's Word. Not in the light of your own thinking, but in the light of God's Word. And it will be pointed out. I have something I want to read. Anyone like to read old books? I found this old book. It was written sometime in the mid-19th uh, century. It's a story about 
It's called a narrative of Mrs. Gardner, a narrative of Mrs. Gardner. She was a very interesting story to her life. But there is a poem here that I want to close by reading with you this morning and ask Ruth to come. Let me just read a little bit of the book here. She's talking in here in her in her life about her life. And she's talking about a certain place. For example, she says, while here, I was afflicted by hearing of the low state of religion at Middleville. Infidelity had exerted its withering influence among the inhabitants. And the adversary of souls seemed to reign unmolested. I spent many sleepless nights in wrestling with God for the utter subversion of the kingdom of darkness in this place. And here's the poem. Thou whose mighty, excuse me, thou whose almighty word chaos and darkness heard and took their flight. Hear us, we humbly pray. And where the gospel day sheds not its glorious ray, let there be light. Thou who didst come to bring on thy redeeming wing healing and sight, health to the sick in mind, light to the inly blind, O now to all mankind, let there be light. Spirit of truth and love, life-giving holy dove, speed forth thy flight. Move on the water's face, bearing the lamp of grace, and in earth's darkest place, let there be light. Let there be light. Amen.